because it's freight train, it was carrying each time like around 40 to 60 tons of coal. Very long, it has many wagons. This, to my surprise, was not only causing a noise problem, was causing a vibration problem. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. We are here with Laura Lopez. Laura is specialist in acoustics in London. Hello, Laura. I believe that you have something for us. Hi, Maga. I have a number of sounds that I want to play to you. Let's start with the first one. Can you hear that? What does it make you think or feel? Did I hear water and birds? And to me, it sounded like peaceful. I felt tranquility. Right. I'm going to play a second one for you. Did you identify what is that sound? Is that water? Yeah. And how does it make you feel? It makes me feel like it has been raining, a little bit moody, a little bit blue. Right, good. And just the last one. My word, is that, is that also water? Is that water like a river, which would be different from the previous two? Yeah, like a water running, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So there are some examples of sounds, sounds that we hear every day, every time. The first one was just a Japanese garden. The second one was a rain on a tent recording. And the third one, all of them related with water. They all have water in there. So, and the last one was, in fact, a recording of someone um, walking around the Princess Diana Memorial in Hyde Park. I don't know if you have visited. So it's like a, a circle of water running and it has different shapes and obstacles in there. So the water strain just changes and the sounds changes of the water passing through these different shapes. And this is just to contextualize that sound make us feel in a different way depending on where we hear it and what we're doing and that sound can become characteristic of certain places for example i didn't play here sounds from a city which we normally associate with noise why because it's kind of an unwanted sound a sound that doesn't give us like much pleasure if we hear like a busy motorway or busy airport or very strong sounds that our brains don't like or maybe perceive as annoying, so we call them sound. That is what I study and what I'm passionate about is about acoustics, which is a, a wide field, which studies basically how sounds and waves propagate in a medium, could be water, could be solid, could be air. In that studying of the sound, we have like a number of different fields that are 
very vast. I work in environmental acoustics, which is specifically how to deal with that unwanted sounds, that noise that we generate from human activities. These sounds logically come from sources of transportation, such as railway lines, airports, roads, and industries that we built as part of our development. Very, very interesting. So in a way, what we are saying is that there's a difference between acoustics and noise. Acoustics in its entirety studies all kinds of sounds, wanted or unwanted. And noise, only, only like environmental noise, only look at these sounds that we don't want, that we know they will cause health effect on us. Okay, so what are the things that we can do in order to improve the level of sound in a city, around a train station or around an airport? Okay, there are different ways to control the sound. Primarily, we focus on tracking the problem on the source. So basically trying to find ways of designing sounds or noise sources that can lead to lower emission levels. So that is how we can uh, design an airplane that is less noisy, turbine that is less noisy, how we can design equipment and plant for our industries that are less noisy. Same with cars as well. There are a vast amount of research on how to design road payments that can reduce that noise emission from the tire interaction of the cars and the pavement, how we can design more silent vehicles that right now we have, we see a lot of electrical or hybrid vehicles that are much more quieter than vehicles that we have like 30, 40 years ago. If we were to give a couple of hints in regards to highways, how can we design a road just two easy things to do or two common things that we do on the road to make it less noisy, because that would be absolutely fantastic to make sure that when I drive on the motorway, I hear less noise. Yeah, okay. So coming back to the source, the first way is just trying to contain that source to emitting as much lower noise level as we can. Then we have something to control what is in between the receptor and the source, which is in the propagation path. So that's a way of putting an obstacle in between the two. So there are noise barriers or more aesthetic uh, ways of putting a noise barrier could be an embankment or noise bands, what they are called. And that is an effective way to reduce the noise. And another way uh, that we need to think about it a little bit more that comes in the stage of planning a lot is how we can align that road to be as far away as we can from our sensitive receptors living in those areas. And the final, the last uh, resource that we have is how we can protect the receiver from the noise. So for example, that's an example not applied to roads, but in industries, you can use wear hearing protection. But on people living near roads, there is a lot of things like better building envelopes, building facades, double glazed windows, 
that kind of things. Something that, that can provide that attenuation before the sound travel to inside your property. However, we would like to, as much as we can, first of all, protect that outdoor space that you have because if you, if you are living in your house and you want to go outside to your garden, you will like to enjoy that environment outdoor without having the noise in between. For example, if I'm having a conversation with you and, and I cannot hear you at a meter distance because I have a busy motorway next to me, it's not a good quality sound environment. Well, that's a very interesting point because one of my friends has just moved house. She actually lives to a place where there's a generator. And she didn't realize that the generator was there because, of course, when she visited, there were a few cars and uh, obviously, you know, you go in and out. So you don't notice so much as to when you're actually asleep and in th at three o'clock in the morning, you hear this generator. So basically, the suggestion is go to the source, find the people that actually are using this generator and say, can you what? Can you encase it? Or what would be the suggestions there? Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Could you position it? in a place away from your neighbors or the closest receptors that you have? Can you first try to work on that layout and just position it, at, I don't know, at the back where there is an empty field, if that is the possibility? Mm -hmm. If not, that's the, the other measure that you're saying, putting an obstacle, which is an enclosure, so containing that noise in an enclosure normally for generators, that's what it is normally used. What's the kind of decibels that we are talking about? I mean, what is comfortable for enjoying reading a book or enjoying sitting outside in the garden? Right. So here we have um, our threshold of hearing is starts at zero decibels and extends our range. What our ear membrane can take is up to something around 130, 140 decibels until then you can have um, bleed hearing damage. If you go above this level, your membrane will just basically collapse and break. So next to a busy motorway, you can have something around 70, 80 decibels. And in a quiet environment, as you were mentioning, for example, I want to enjoy reading a book in my house. It would be something between 30 to 40 dBs. Quiet office, 40 dBs. And in line with the World Health Organization guidance, for example, an optimal outdoor residential space should be something about 50 dB. All right. Basically, for example, when we go to a place like a coffee shop, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention a very well-known Starbucks. Normally, when you go there, people go there because they experience something nice. They experience peace and quiet or at least a comfortable sound of music so what have they done right so they are trying to provide you not only with a coffee but as you said an experience and that experience comes from through perception now through our senses our visuals is is is, is what mostly drawn our perception however we are uh, highly unaware of how sounds can as well modify our perception of places that you visit. So if I enter to a Starbucks cafe, I normally hear a very soft background music, like jazz, like something relaxing, but as well that gives you this sense of 
I'm going here to come for a work or maybe for a chat or maybe just for relaxing. And what they try to do, for example, you don't want to sit down and hear how the barista prepares the coffee and the crashing and the clacking of all of these uh, tools that they use, the plates, you know that. So they as well try to create an internal space, which is, we are talking here about architectural acoustics, which is another field of acoustics, where you can try to design a space to make it sound the way you want it in line with the purpose of that place. They use different techniques here. So they use a lot of absorption. So absorption will help to absorb all of those not unwanted sounds. So for example, if I'm sitting in this chair and I want to relax at the same time, I don't want to hear the conversation of the people next to me. So absorption will help us to deal with the sounds propagating inside that room. They use something called as well diffusion. I forgot to mention absorption uh, is achieved through different materials, right? That can absorb sound that is porous materials or materials of two layers with air or a porous material in between. Then what I was talking on diffusion is they play with a different shape of surfaces. So a plain surface will normally give you a lot of reflection, a big reflection, a big pure reflection, and the sound can reflect more effectively if the surface is plain. Once the, you start changing the shape of the reflections, I don't know if you've seen these panels in the coffee shops that have sometimes holes in it, or sometimes like a little cubes sticking out, or maybe a wall from top to the ceiling with vertical shapes or different materials on the wall, some of them sticking out of the wall. This is not only aesthetics, this has the, the purpose of trying to diffuse that sound equally. So what it does is basically breaks apart the, the sound waves that hits the wall or the ceiling or whatever object and make it to come back the reflection in a little, little, little reflections. So in that way you can spread more evenly the sound and also absorption can occur. So basically we are saying that design and construction are essential to actually managing the sound that we want to enjoy or not. Do we use sound? For example, for understanding other industries like water. We were talking about water earlier. So do we have a way of understanding if um, there's a crack on a pipe? Yes, there is. And there is a lot of different techniques of identifying faults in pipes as a result of sound. So basically, you know how it should sound when the pipe is not broken and just using digital signal processing method, you can record that sound, then compare it, and you can say, okay, this doesn't sound as, as a pipe that doesn't have any leak. And then you can as well identify where is that leak. All right, so you can do a mix and match. So basically you have your best case scenarios versus, oh, this is not natural, this is not the right way, and then I can go and understand. Do we do these with drones or do you have a person having to dive in and produce the sound? 
From what I know, this is not my expertise, this is more related with electroacoustics is cool and digital signal processing heavily. So acoustics is highly related to electronics. All the basics of acoustics come from electronic theory, electronics theory, circuits and all that. So the electronic uh, professionals in that field, they design devices to put in these pipes. And from there, they don't need to go all the way to find a, a fault, for example, in this, um, for example, oil and gas pipes. They don't need to go all the way there to identify. They have like a mechanism installed there, continuously monitoring these signals, like making sure that mismatch, as you said, doesn't happen or when it occurs, it identifies the fault. Laura Lopez, you are originally from Colombia. And I assume that you worked in Colombia for a little bit. So could you give us an example that you have seen in terms of projects in Colombia and or Latin America? Right. Yeah, I worked uh, over a year in Colombia. Part of the work was as acoustician here as well in Colombia was traveling to places because you need to go some of the time there to see what is the problem, right? And undertake noise measurements and understand the noise problem and try to put that in context. So I did travel loads for work within the country, which was a great experience. Um, One uh, particular experience was I was called to do a study of noise impact of a freight train transporting coal. Colombia exports a lot of coal. This train uh, line runs over 300 kilometers and I was specifically doing a study for a small village called Bosconia where this freight train passes. It has passed for another 30, 40 years, I don't know, very long time they've been having this noise issue. Um, When I arrived there I was going to go there to undertake some noise measurements. I didn't know how bad was the problem, how bad was the noise. I was just having my noise meter there. I choose my locations to the closest sensitive receptors I could identify. Um, We did the measurements. The the freight train, each time it passes, the noise, it was unbearable yet because it's freight train it was carrying each time like around 40 to 60 tons of coal so it was a very long it has many wagons and this to my surprise was not only causing a noise problem was causing a vibration problem so i it was a very poor village as well um the train was passing every day around eight 12 times. Wow. But the aggravating thing was the train operation wasn't stopping during the night. <gasps> My word. So 24 7. Yeah. Imagine you are sleeping and then you need to hear these sounds like at least twice or three times during night when you are resting. Well, I assume all the furniture would actually vibrate. They would all slowly move. Yeah. In the places close to the rail line, the, I visited the properties. The people were highly concerned about the problem. The properties have old cracks. The ground around it, the, it's a very old infrastructure, as you can imagine. The, the ground was literally all cracked. 
the walls of some of the properties what are the point of collapsing the school was completely cracked and i didn't have any equipment to measure vibration i wasn't aware of how bad was the problem well, finally, I finished my visit. I engaged with the community a little bit. At that point, they were very excited to see someone that was looking at their problem to end up in a, having a meeting with all the community. They asking me questions on how we can solve this issue. We've been living here for all our lives and it has been like this always. Oh, um, I tried to take as much as I could with me for being able to produce a, a report that could have done something for them. And uh, wrote my report, reported about the vibration issues, but that I couldn't measure. And the noise levels, of course, were above the recommended guidelines for World Health Organization. And the, the only guidance in noise that Colombia has is applied to environmental noise and industrial noise. And this legislation is only applied for fixed noise sources, but is a legislation relating to environmental noise. So if we think about environmental noise, most of the sources are mobile sources. Oh. So that was the only regulation that I could use to base my report on. I passed the report, I said, this is above the limit levels for residential and for resting time overnight, especially, and is of course causing a problem of public health in all of this community. That uh, report ended up in the parliament. They closed the operation of the freight train transporting, imagine, 40 to 60 tons of coal a day. They managed to stop the train for a week until a colleague of mine working in the Ministry of Environment received this report and someone said, you need to find a way to take this report down because we need the train operating back. And she called me and told me I had to take your report down. The reason and the logic that it doesn't apply to mobile noise sources, but there is no legislation who deals with <laughs> mobile noise sources. So the train is back operating. Um, in my recommendations, I put, okay, if you want your train operating, you can redirect the train around the residential urban areas that are on the way of the railway line. But you know that this is big uh, infrastructure project if they want to do this. So the freight train, unfortunately, is still running in this community, and I reckon the conditions are the same. I assume that the government didn't step up to support the rebuild of the properties in the surrounding area. No. As we know, sometimes things in Latin America are um, a little bit um, more challenging yes, in terms of yes, funding. Yes, so that's the big contrast I found between working in acoustics in Colombia and working in acoustics here. Why? Because here you have much more legislation, much more normative, much more enforcement. So every project needs to meet the legislation and certain criteria in terms of environment to be able to be approved. So would you give us an example of a kind of project that you have been involved in the UK? In the UK, I have been involved mainly on projects uh, with Highways England, with Environment Agency. Uh, Highways England 
relating to road schemes. So improvements to existing roads or new roads and environment agency uh, mainly for construction works because they need to build these flood defenses and the construction works are as well very, very noisy and can be annoying. So we need to identify the measures we can put in place temporarily during these construction periods to, to try to protect the people there in those locations. And with Highways England, we have a range of projects starting from new completely new roads for example one is at the moment trying to decide on a route between cambridge to oxford and then the planning stage consists of a number of route options that they will assess as part of every environmental discipline including noise so you run your study and you kind of like uh, select or advise on which are the less beneficial options options of the route but in any case any route will create some degree of impact because you are introducing a noise source in an area that doesn't exist for flood defenses you also put a few banks is that what normally happens or some kind of divide uh, for flood defenses they do different measures but the, the majority of them are related with barriers or ponds, attenuation ponds, where you know water can flood in the event of flooding. So protecting the cities and from the water, basically. For this, the amount of construction works can be significantly noisy and and create annoyance, but that annoyance is temporary. So the impacts of construction are not as delicate as the impacts from operation that are going to be permanent, that what you built needs to be built in a way that won't create a public health problem. What are the biggest challenges that we are actually facing in acoustics? For me, one of the challenges that I see is the need of integrate more the acoustics to the design of the soundscape. So soundscape is a term that came around 30 years ago first. And it is all about studying how the sound interacts with life and society. So rather to be just so focused on controlling the noise and meeting the limits set out in the legislation, is more of how we can enrich the soundscape in cities, how we can provide certain, we know that the cities are going to be noisy. We know that airports are going to be noisy, railway lines, trains, roads are going to give us that unwanted sound. How we can create other sounds within the city for example as a quiet areas or refugee areas. So example parking in the middle where you don't have any of these unwanted sounds but trying to enrich the city with more natural sounds the sounds from nature are the ones that give us that sense of tranquility of peace of less stressful environment even silence we know that in cities we cannot achieve silence 
but we can mask those sounds with, for example, the sounds of water. And that's like, that's something that we are starting to see in cities where we need more urban planners or acousticians that are more like urban sound planners, right? To integrate measures such as green walls that can absorb sound and aesthetically look good. You can appreciate some kind of nature within the city. We also see fountains and water courses integrated in cities. Why? Because you work, you walk your approach near this water fountain or water course that has been designed with different shapes and obstacles, such as the Princess Diana Memorial, that give you a different experience and always like if you think about if you visit a waterfall or a river that stream of water falling give you this sense of tranquility so there are many 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 examples on these applications that you can see nowadays a little bit more in cities well, it certainly makes sense to actually go and visit the Diana Memorial and Japanese gardens so may I ask you, do you have anything else that you would like to add? Talking about this urban sound planning, the approach and the tendency will be rather than identifying what is my acceptable noise limit that, for example, I said at the beginning, 50, 40. Perception is very subjective, right? So humans cannot be limited to that number. Because what if you meet that 50 dB, but you have uh, a sound that is under that 50 dB, but it's very annoying. It's like, a, let's say if you put an alarm or even a, a phone ringing at less than 50 dB, it will still annoy you. So it's how we can try to include in the legislation or in our noise guidances, something to measure the soundscape indices of, for example, pleasantness, quietness, restorativeness, appropriateness, so trying to put that noise in context. I see it a lot of relevance in urban planning design. What is next for Laura Lopez? I would like to explore more areas of acoustics. I, as much as I love environmental acoustics, I would like to explore more urban planning. Perhaps architectural acoustics is is, is like an art, it becomes like an art. And so I would like to explore much more of that and perhaps something more related to acoustics engineering. So just as, as my point at, uh, at the beginning about just signing more low noise emitting sources because we have all of these problems in cities with noise because our sources are too noisy still and I think we can do better. Definitely. If we wanted to get hold of you, what is the best method? You can find me on LinkedIn as Laura Lopez. And if you search for acoustics, uh, you will find me there. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. Thanks for joining. And if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. Paula Vizio talks to us about road welfare, that is in Spanish. Naja Hargreaves talks to us about whole life systems, and that is in English. Join us. And soon, we'll have the translations for you.